Let's go. Episode 95 of Nothing to Say, the fans podcast. I am super excited for this episode. This is one of the most, I'd say, jam-packed episodes we have had in a very long time. We've got the Bucks in the NBA Finals recap. We've got Olympics to talk about. We've got a beautiful mystery solved in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers back in camp. Also, Russell Wilson back in camp. We have a new segment that we're going to hit. There's so much stuff to talk about. I don't know how we're going to fit it all in, but we're going to do the best that we can. But before we get to all of that, I have to hear how your vacation went, Sam. Dude, it was awesome. Um, If anyone has a chance to go visit Hawaii, maybe take some time because it is super busy on the islands. Um, It was incredible. It's been... 16 or yeah 16 years since the last time I went to Hawaii and it was just insane to go as an adult and like oh my gosh I it was literally the perfect trip so what did you guys end up doing I know we talked about you know my recommendations for what to do what did you guys actually do well uh, I think a couple of the highlights was first off the food that's a big thing for uh, Jenna and I and even her family like gotta have good food i think we live vicariously through our stomachs and where was the best place you ate so we went to this um this place called mama's fish house yep. which is yep did you guys go there yep oh my god that was <laughs> like they they brought out we brought entrees uh starters drinks and then main meal and dessert every single thing we put in our mouth was like immediately oh my god this is so good like literally every single thing, and we were we were passing around like we were we were uh, like oh you need to try this oh you should try this like different things so we all tried each other's entrees, and it was just so good and the service was great the the ambiance of the place it's right on the beach, like the water is uh, probably thirty yards away from the actual uh, restaurant and then it's got it's like wide open. Um, so there's like the wide open concept. It's, um, so like the, the sea breeze is kind of like, it's, it's nice and cold, but it's, it's also, um, a lot of dark woods and, uh, just, it's a classy place for sure, but it's just, it's so perfect. I, oh, <laughs> oh, you said, oh, you said mom's kitchen, mama's kitchen. Oh, we went to duck Ma- mama's fish house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I, yeah. I got it. I got it confused. We went to Duck uh, Kitchen, and the reason why we went there was because it was a, uh, it was in diners, drive-ins, and dives episode. Um, oh, this place was it's so t- to give credence to how good it was to get a dinner reservation. I think you have to wait till twenty twenty four to get a dinner re- reservation at this place. Like that is how well known and crazy it is. That's insane. And it was, it was just so good. Like, that was that we went there the last night, and it was like, wow, this was the perfect cap, cap off to a great trip. Right. What was your, like, what was some highlight activities? So, so just, I didn't know this going into it, and I, I don't know if I'm incriminating myself here, but we did snorkel, right, on Friday. Yeah. And we went to this first beach where there was two turtles sighted. So everyone was gathering around just like watching the turtles and that was like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. And then we left, uh, went deeper into the water and, 
but like farther out to the ocean saw a bunch of different fish like jenna was absolutely loving it like this is that was her <laughs> it was like her her thing that she was talking about uh that she was so excited for to see all the different fish and um to see a turtle especially like that was the, i think the biggest thing that she was excited for so we saw one and then we we went and snorkeled other places. And then when, on our way back, we saw a different one. And um, it was like just us around it. Like it wasn't a big crowd. And um, it was uh, it was eating at the bottom and then it came up for, for air, right? Or it just came up out of the water, like sticked its head out of the water. It was so, it was so cute, like so adorable. And then went back down and then did that again. So when it did it again the second time, I was like, oh, like it's like right next to me. So I just reached out and touched its shell. Mm-hmm. And then I touched its its fin and it kind of freaked out. And I was like, oh Jenna, like I I just touched it and she's like, that's illegal. You're not supposed to do that. And I was like, what? <laughs> no one told me. That. You know, okay. <laughs> so I I was hoping that's where the story was going because I did that too. <laughs> no one told me that. So we I, know, I agree. We went to a different beach where so it was the beach um, right next to Mama's Fish House, and there's this like grandpa-looking sea turtle that is just laying on the beach. Like this thing was monstrous, and it was just sitting there like trying to sleep because it was um, it was past sunset when we went. So it's sitting there. Everyone's taking pictures with it, and we see a sign. So she told me that, right? So she told me that earlier that day that it's illegal. And I was like, wait, what? Like, no one told me that. I did. Uh, that's not very well advertised, right? That's not a well-known thing, I feel like. So we went to this beach that's well-known for turtles, obviously, to sit there. And there was a sign that said, no touching. You're not allowed to be within 10 feet. Um, you're not allowed to do, like, all these things, right? Or Because it, it's literally, like, a federal and state law that you're not allowed to because they're endangered. And I was, And she was like, see? <laughs> I was like, I didn't know. I no one told me. If if she didn't tell me, I wouldn't have known. And I was so guilty about it, dude. I was like, did I just pass off like deadly bacteria to the sea turtle that it's gonna make it like die pretty much, like get a deadly rash and die? Like, did I just do that? Yeah. So I that happened to me as well because I I didn't know that either. And when we were our hotel was like right on the water and right in the ho right, right out in front of the hotel, there was a gigantic beach um, where you could go swim. And I don't really know what it was called, but it was, it was just an area that was kind of enclosed by um, just by a bunch of rocks and obviously sea life would come in and there was, there was a turtle there and we were standing in the water and it was about, I don't know, waist deep. And it was like, it was like a foot away from my leg. Right. And I didn't know that you couldn't touch him. And I touched his shell for a second. And I, I, you know, I, I had mentioned that I did and my family was like, that's illegal. And I was like, so how did they know? I, I would, I like, know. How did they was, know that? Exactly. That's what I said. I was like, well, a heads up would have been nice. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, it's one of those questions where, you know, when, when somebody asked me, you know, 20 years from now, have you ever broken a law? You know, I would like to be able to say no, but I can't because we judge turtles. Can you imagine, can you imagine you're in jail and somebody asks you why you're here? I, uh, I, I, dude, I'd be, 
I'd be someone's like uh, special friend at that point. Yeah, I touched the turtle. What'd you hey, yo, yo, Rico, <laughs> come listen to what this guy said. <laughs> tell, oh, tell him what you told me. Um, I, uh, I accidentally touched a turtle in the, in the ocean near Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, you, well, I fucking stabbed someone. So <laughs> I wrestled a bear. I don't... <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, I. It would be well. I'm in here because be I hunt lions. To yeah. <laughs> so we're really who's the real monster here, huh? Right. A sea turtle, really? Yeah. Such majestic animals. Can't believe you I did know. that. Um, I'd say one of the I say and to end the Hawaii talk because we got to move on. I'd say the the scariest thing that happened to me when we were in Hawaii was not seeing a shark when we were um, snorkeling because for whatever reason that didn't freak me out that much. Um, but I free dove as far as I could, which probably only about ten feet um down to uh down to a coral reef and as i was down there i saw two eyes that were looking back at me and i thought it was a fish until i swam to the side a little bit and realized it was a freaking humongous eel staring oh, at me and i was like scary. i was like oh my god i need those to get things away. are aggressive i was like i am leaving immediately and i was yes. by myself so i was like i got I'm see ya. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I'm so only... while we were while we were snorkeling, right? So my back is because you're not type of, you're not supposed to do this. I think is what there's uh, the people were telling us. You're not supposed to put your back to um, like to the ocean, really. Yeah. So we were out like kind of deep, like I think we were the farthest people out. Like no one else was snorkeling that far, and I was the farthest one, and we were swimming back. And I was like, oh, this is so creepy. Like, I could literally be snatched away by nothing. So I, I'd, like, turn around to see if anything, like, occasionally would come up or something like that. But it was, like, <laughs> from from here to the next island could be anything. And my yeah. back is to it right now. Well, it's funny because so when, you're, when you're just swimming out there and you look down and to not see the bottom of the ocean and just see pitch black, you're like, I mean, you can only see so far. So you're like mm-hmm. 40 feet down from me. I can't see. I don't even know what's 40 feet down from me. Like I have a bubble in which I can see. Um, we didn't just looking so we, down. It was crazy. We just snorkeled right off the beach. So we didn't go out that deep. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that this, the weird thing is that Lake Tahoe is a lot deeper than the ocean in between Maui and the other islands. Mm, interesting. Do you know that? Like, cause we took a, uh, we took a sunset cruise and, on the boat was a, I don't even know what it's called, some meter that measured the depth of the ocean below. And it only got to, I think the the captain was saying the deepest was like 300 feet or something like that. Mm-hmm. Deep between between those islands. So, and then Tahoe's like over, over a thousand. Yeah. Below. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. I mean, Maui is uh, Maui is a beautiful place, and it definitely it definitely takes more than one trip to see the whole island. So, well, it's it's crazy because it's it's a, it's a small island, and there were so many people there. But I saw two people from our high school, just oh nice out of the blue. I saw um, Ben, who we've had on, and I saw uh, one other person that Jason and I played football with. Um, oh nice, yeah. It was just it was just weird how many people came out. Absolutely. All right, well, it's good vacation talk, but now it's time to get serious. Let's get into some sports. We 
We did not get to talk about the NBA Finals. We don't need to spend too much time on it because there are more pressing matters. But we wouldn't be a sports show if we didn't at least mention it. So we'll just give like a quick recap, just some thoughts. And then more so the NBA talk that we have is more about what has transpired over the past, I'd say, week or two with some of the comments that Giannis has been making just in terms of the ring that he now has. So just, you know, quick, quick overview. I'll go, I'll go first um, with, you know, the recap of the NBA finals. I'm, I'm super glad that the Bucks won. I, I had so much fun watching this finals. It was one of the more entertaining finals in my opinion, in the past couple of years, um, Giannis, the, the game, the game that he had in game six was just, I, I don't, I don't really have words for, for what he did because I, I don't know if I had ever seen anything like that before with, I mean, he had 50 points and for a guy who, you know, struggled from the free throw line all here, he was, he was money from the free throw line and his defense was amazing. He was just, he left no doubt that he was the best player on the floor that game. And in the entire series, I have his stats right here. He had 50 points, 14 rebounds and two assists. He played 42 minutes. The close Chris Middleton had 17 points. That was the next highest. Giannis had 50 and Devin Booker and Chris Paul together didn't score. 50 points so it was just a it was it was a masterpiece from Giannis and the Bucks played phenomenal defense all around and I mean the funny thing was is that it kind of got off to the same start that game five did just in reverse Milwaukee came out through a huge punch it was 29 to 16 in the first quarter and then Phoenix responded with an even bigger punch it was the second quarter, the Suns scored 31 points and Milwaukee scored 13, which is the exact opposite of what happened in game five. Phoenix came out hot and then the Bucks responded. So it was kind of interesting the way that that played out. And I was kind of worried that the game was going to go identical to that. But it, the Bucks found their rhythm again in the second half. And I'm really happy for, for Giannis in the city of Milwaukee. It was awesome seeing how much that meant to him and everybody there. The fans were amazing. Part of me does feel a little bit bad for Chris Paul because I think a legit conversation can now be had on whether or not he's going to win a ring before he retires. I mean, he's obviously an all-time great, but I think that's a serious, serious question that we have to ask ourselves when it comes to Chris Paul. But it was a really, really fun NBA Finals, and I'm glad I got to watch Game 6 because there were some games in the playoff that I missed, but I'm glad I got to watch uh, pretty much all of these games in the Finals. So, Yeah, um, having – Having Milwaukee win four straight games, I feel like kind of sways the flow of the finals. Because it was uber competitive. And these were two teams that that both had flaws and um, really made for a captivating finals to watch. Um, I, I wish it was a little more maybe back and forth. It just seemed like Milwaukee made an adjustment and – Phoenix never really could respond. And I guess that's 2020 vision, but uh, it would have been cool to see Phoenix battle back and then have to see, then see if Milwaukee could make that adjustment and answer again, that would have been very cool to see. Um, But good on good Milwaukee. They, they obviously showed they were the better team. I think we, 
we obviously sort of felt that Phoenix was playing the better ball heading into it, but Milwaukee has the more they're a more established team that has had more success in the playoffs as of recently. So they were the team probably with the most pressure heading into this and the most uh, the most need to really get this job done. And Giannis being probably the player with the most the greatest amount of pressure in the series totally rose to the highest level I think we've ever seen him play like his play was on the grandest stage the best we've ever seen uh you could even see his game evolve as this series went on sure there was the two 40 point games in game two and game three but those were such dominant inside the paint games but we saw as the series went on he was like adapting it like implementing a a fadeaway jumper into his game, like a post-up fadeaway jumper. And he sort of started hitting those uh, like jump shots that, that we really haven't seen from Giannis's game. And it's, it's interesting that maybe with confidence that he was felt more comfortable to take those shots, a lot less threes for him. So someone must've got into his ear and was like, Hey, you need to get this ball downhill, create for others. He was great on the ball they pretty much ran their whole offense through either him or Chris Middleton. And both players showed that they were really adept at getting others involved and really getting starting, initiating that offense. Um, But it's, it's great to see a player of his caliber really take that next step before everyone's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the, so one of the things that I found, the most interesting coming out of this coming out of this finals was exactly what you said, you know, with Giannis and the way that it kind of looked like he evolved in that sense, which I don't think maybe, maybe evolved isn't the right word in the sense that, you know, his game has always been, his game has always been oriented from, you know, the inside. And I heard it, the best way that I heard it put was came from ESPN. I don't remember exactly who said it, but somebody said, you know, he's much more Shaq than he is Kobe. Yeah. But he was, but he was trying so hard to be Kobe and it looked like finally somebody got in his ear and was like, dude, go to the paint and just stay there and just dominate from there. You can, you can win us games from inside the paint. You're not going to win us games the way that Kobe did, jacking up these shots. You're going to win us games like Shaq did. And as soon as he did that, the, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, it looked like the Bucks made an adjustment and the Suns didn't know how to fix it. Well, For four straight I, I think, games. Right. And I think that was the adjustment. <laughs> was It was just like, okay, you know what? I, I'm just going to stay here. And you guys are going to have to figure out a way to get me out of the paint. And if you can't figure out how to do that, then you won't beat us. And they never could. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was really sometimes it is that simple. The stubbornness on Phoenix's side that it's – they just kept going at it with the same game plan of, hey, we're going to play our game. The Bucks are going to have to try to adapt to us. And it just really never came to fruition for them. I mean – they never could really get a game where CP3 and Devin Booker were both playing at a high level. It was either one or the other. And DeAndre Ayton, I mean, maybe it was the fact that he was guarding Giannis this entire series that really took a toll on his offensive game. But 
I highlighted it before, right before game six. I thought he was going to be a huge X factor for Phoenix if they were going to ride the ship. And it just, it never came to be. I mean, what are you going to, I think, I think my question is where would you really rank this Milwaukee team of compared to like the last five championship winning teams in your mind, Jason, this run? Let's see. Um, Let's go back. Um, let me let me pull up the list real quick. Let me pull up the list. Well, you got, you got that, LA, because, Golden yeah, okay, State, so, Toronto, Golden State yeah, again, Cleveland so, yeah. if you want. Mm-hmm. So really, three different Golden States, Golden State teams from 2015 on: mm-hmm. Cleveland, Toronto, the Lakers. Oh, actually, uh, oh, oh! Can I can I revise that question? Yeah. So. I think the last two years, ever since Golden State disbanded, the NBA has really been in this this new realm of anyone can really win. There's no clear team that's head and shoulders above everyone else. And I think that's a good spot for the NBA to be. But we've had the Lakers win through the bubble. And now we've had Milwaukee win in this way where there's there was really no – like anyone could have won. In coming out of uh, the the conference finals, all four teams had question marks, right? So, comparing those two runs, which one would you have felt would have been a harder road to go through? Like in terms of who they played or the circumstances around what happened? Yeah, everything, everything going in. So the Lakers, their team, obviously being front runners, going into the bubble with no fans, totally different. And then the teams that they ended up playing versus Milwaukee having crowds, having travel, um, and not being they were sort of being an under, underdog, but they were a top three team in their conference. So the Lakers played the Heat in the finals. They played the Nuggets before that. They played Houston and and uh, Portland. Houston and Portland, um, and then the Bucks. They went through. They had to go through Brooklyn, Miami, and they had to go through Brooklyn. Like they were, they were on the road for that. Um, yeah, um, that's tough. That's tough. I think. I think in terms of the teams that that they played, I think the fact that Milwaukee went through Brooklyn. I know that. Brooklyn wasn't themselves, but they still had to go up against Kevin Durant and a very good Brooklyn team who was already good before all three of them got there, Mm -hmm. mind you. Um, The fact that that was on the road and I, you know, just playing against Durant, I'm looking, and I know that, you know, I know that the Lakers, they had to go through, I mean, they played Houston and, you know, Harden was there. Um, That was a different team. (laughs) Yeah, but that was a completely different Houston team. And I think the circumstances outside of basketball, the bubble was more dif- was more difficult um, yeah. for the Lakers. But in terms of the teams that they played, I think the Bucks had a harder road in that sense. But that's also – and see, that's going to be something that may, when people go back and they look at this finals, they're going to look back and go, well, yes, the Bucks won, but you, you have to take into account all the injuries that uh-huh. – you know, happen. They're gonna. Everybody's gonna point to the Brooklyn series, and they go, 
you know, well, Kyrie Irving was only there for like what, like one or two games, and Harden wasn't even playing. Well, I mean, he was, but I, he was he he was kind of out there. He was on one leg. Yeah, he was kind of just out there more than anything else. And you take you take um, the Trey Young, Trey Young getting injured for the final couple games. Yep. Um, yep. Now I I know, but here's the thing, and you know, you might look back at it, and everybody would also say, well, Giannis got hurt as well and he now he came back very quickly but the fact that Giannis was able to come back from what looked to be a severe injury mm-hmm. to be able to come back and play it the way that he was like as soon as he got back is also a testimony to him and that team as well so I you know in the way that I've kind of come to look at this and I hope that well I don't well there's no right, there's no right answer it's just how it's just how you feel Right, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, is I wonder if people are going to look back at the last two NBA champions and, and say, well, there's an asterisk next to both of them. No, no, you can't get an asterisk to this no, team. You're right, and I agree. But I feel like there are going to be some people who are going to look at it and, and look at the Brooklyn series and go, well, you know, they were everybody was hurt. I just – I the way I look at it is – so the, the question that I posed – before of how you compare this team to past winners. Um, I think this team in this run would be the lowest for me of the last five teams. Um, Obviously last year you had the bubble. That was a completely different circumstance. All teams had to grapple with that. There was positives and negatives for that, but it's, it must've been an uncomfortable situation for every team involved and the Lakers were playing at such like they dominated uh, Portland. They dominated Houston. They looked great against Denver when beating them in six. And then they pretty much completely dominated Miami after bam and uh, Drogic's Drogic got injured too. Right. But they were, everyone thought and assumed that they were going to win that series anyway. Um, and they obviously have a problem. <laughs> and right. then the the year before was um, who was the year? Was that Toronto? No, T- Toronto was twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen was Golden State. They swept Cleveland. Yeah, so you have the Golden State teams had to go through great Houston teams, had to go through Portland, like the best Portland team. Like they had, I I think the the level of difficulty was a lot higher for those teams compared to this Milwaukee team, even if they faced um, – would you say the Cleve- the LeBron-Cleveland team was better than this Phoenix Suns team that last you know, year? I was just about to ask you. I was going to say I feel like the teams that were going to – that maybe that this Bucks or Suns team could have gave a good run for their money was the 2016 Cleveland team that won. Oh, no, they um, don't touch that team. You don't think so? They beat the 73-9 the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I understand that, but I feel like out of all the te- well, maybe t- no, not Toronto. I don't I know. know. They would Toronto would be the closest one for me. I think Toronto and Cleveland are are right are right about there because I don't know. Just just to me, those Golden State teams were like untouchable, mm-hmm. and the Lakers team at full force, I think, is pretty untouchable. So I'm just looking at the teams who I feel like would have gaps. And I feel like the Toronto team, 
That's really tough because the Toronto team was really good as well, and so was the Cleveland team. But I guess if I'm having having to really look at it and, and say which two teams could I see the Bucks beating, those would be the two that I would point to because I just think that the Golden State teams were just untouchable. So were the Lakers. And even if we went back further than that to 2014 to that Spurs team that was just on an absolute mission to, to destroy Miami. And then mm-hmm. the two Miami teams before that, I, I, I you know, with LeBron and D-Wade and Bosch, I, I, Toronto and that Cleveland team, I think, are the only ones that I would say that the Bucks should have a shot at beating. So this might this might come across as disrespectful. Obviously, Milwaukee deserves to be an NBA champion. Uh, Giannis deserves to be an NBA champion, uh, Finals MVP. But it just it just feels like on a scale of one to ten, those Golden State teams felt like tens or nines and a half, right? Yeah. This Milwaukee team kind of feels like like a B team that ended up winning the championship compared to those teams like they they feel like like a like a 8.7 on a scale of 10 right so i feel like i can't when judging like they're a champion you can't take that away from i'm not going to asterisk it that oh they don't deserve to be a champion it just feels like i wouldn't compare the when i'm comparing them to past champions they had a little easier time, I guess. That's that's it, and it's they can't control that. But right, you got to congratulate. Congratulations to them. I mean, you can look at the same um, to that Dallas team in 20, 2011. 11, yeah. If if Miami plays at full strength, and Dallas played unbelievable, they beat the they beat the Lakers, they beat um, OKC before OKC was a dominant force. Like they they were on a magical magic carpet ride, right? Mm-hmm. But they did they kind of luck into a championship a little bit with how bad LeBron played and how bad Miami played together in that first season. Kind of like that's that's kind of why that that team is um, wasn't a dynasty. Obviously, like they didn't go on like they they got that one, and that's awesome. But there's a reason that we didn't see them continue to contend and contend. Right, and I just don't know if Milwaukee. I, this is this is a question that I had for you. I guess it, it probably to close this finals talk. Could you see Milwaukee win next year? No, no, not if everybody's healthy. If 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 everybody if everybody is healthy, if Brooklyn's healthy and the Lakers are healthy, hell, even if Denver's healthy, because um, they got gypped with with Murray being out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hawks, I have no reason to believe, are going to take a step back. Um, so I feel like they're going to progress even more. I feel like the Knicks are going to progress even more. Um, who knows what happens with Dame? I, I mean, there's been rumblings about him. He might go uh, to Philly. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. Who knows? But if everybody is at full strength, then I think you'd be. I think you'd be dumb not to take the Lakers or Brooklyn. I would imagine Brooklyn is going to be the overwhelming favorite heading into the season. If they're all healthy, then I would pick them against the field, honestly. Um, With how so, good Durant's playing? Yeah. Um, it's crazy how good he looked coming off of that Achilles yeah. injury. Yeah. I know. Well, uh, we do have to close the NBA talk. We'll get, we might get back around. I, we didn't even get to the Giannis comments, which I thought we were going to get to, but we actually have comments from elsewhere that are much more interesting and much more mm-hmm. relevant 
to the current sports world. So let's get to that. So I mentioned at the top of the show that we had a beautiful mystery solved. And if for those of you who know what that means, uh, Aaron Rodgers is back in, well, I guess back in Green Bay. He reported to camp yesterday, two days ago. I, whenever you're listening to this, it you know it depends on it depends on when you pick this up. But bottom line is he's back, and with that came some information from him about what was going on with you know the holdout, I should say, the standoff. Between him and the Green Bay front office. Now, I, these aren't in any order, but I'll just read you some of the things that he has said. Since, well, there was a press conference, I think, after I think their first practice when they were addressing the media. And Rodgers was obviously one of the players who addressed the media. So, like I said, if you haven't seen the interview, go listen to it because these are going to be out of order. But it'll just paint a picture for you as to exactly what was going on. So just some of the comments he said. He said, quote, Green Bay isn't a huge vacation destination. People are coming here to play with me and play with our team, knowing they can win a championship here. And the fact that I haven't been used in those discussions was one I wanted to change moving forward. So he said, this wasn't a draft day thing. Uh, And that was referring, and he said that referring to speculation. He was upset with Green Bay selecting Jordan Love as opposed to a wide receiver. He said it started with a conversation in February. I just expressed my desire to be more involved in conversations directly affecting my job. Also, I wanted to help the organization learn from some of their mistakes in the past on how outgoing veterans were treated. said post the draft, what basically happened was then the front office will give, they said, We'll give you some money now. Let's see if we can throw some money at you. And I said from the start, it wasn't about money. And then in terms of the veterans that, you know, he referred to, he said, great locker room guys, high character guys who weren't offered a contract at all or were extremely low-balled or maybe, in my opinion, not given the respect on the way out that guys of their status and stature and high character deserve. So just a couple of comments from Rogers. Like I said, if you haven't listened to the whole sort of interview, I would highly recommend you go listen to it because it it was very revealing and very interesting. And I find myself, after watching the interview, looking at this, and I, I think one of two things. One, I think Green Bay won. I mean, at the end of the day, they got Rodgers back. Um, mm. So I think that's a huge win for Green Bay. But I also kind of think in the way – As well, I don't think from a media perspective and from a fan's perspective, listening to the interview, if what he said was true, and I have no reason to believe that it isn't, because just in the way that the Packers have handled these situations before in the past, I have no reason to believe that, you know, there would be a large majority of people who can look at this and say, well, you know, that they don't agree with what Rodgers was trying to do. I feel like he is going to have the sympathy of the public or he's going to have most fans are going to look at this and go, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I think he was refreshingly more open than any player has about the, a dispute between himself and his, uh, his current organization. I think he, he answered everything that was asked, uh, he answered it completely and comprehensively that 
really when you listen to it, it's like, oh, well, this this all makes sense. Like this, yep, I agree with that. Oh, yeah, I, I see you there, Aaron. Oh, that, that makes sense, Aaron. Like totally. Um, I, I wonder if he had said this from the start, said these, put these things out there from the start, he wouldn't have gotten that backlash a little bit from Green Bay's fan base or – uh, or he wouldn't have even allowed Green Bay, the organization, to really look in good good favor. As some people were like, well, "What is the organization supposed to do? Like, he's an employee. Um, he doesn't get to run the whole organization." And if he had just uh, put all these statements out here that just elaborated, "Hey, like this is what this is what's going on. This is what I'm feeling," and uh, then no one could really argue with what's going on. I, it's just interesting that the only thing we got from Aaron was when he was d- during the match, when they asked him point blank questions and he would just kind of, kind of answer a little bit maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this was the, this was completely and formulaically like ABC of what's going on and what led to this yada yada. And that's really all anyone's ever was hoping for and I'm sure every single reporter at Green Bay was on hand for when he was speaking. No one was off asking Devontae Adams, no one was asking uh David Bakhtiari questions. It was all oh Aaron's Aaron's pressers on right now. I need to get a good spot. I need to I need to get my questions at like that was the biggest thing going on. I think it's a huge loss for Green Bay. Oh okay how so? Because, yes, Aaron Rodgers is there, but he has not committed to Green Bay. I think he has more separated himself from the team, a team that he is he is currently practicing for, starting the season with. He's already looking on to next year. This guy's already got plans to move to a different team in the offseason, and the fact that he was able to pretty much win everyone over with his comments, except probably Skip Bayless on um, whenever he's going to talk about it next, because he hates Aaron Rodgers. But, <laughs> but the fact that he was able to pretty much get everyone on his side, the Green Bay has zero leverage in the situation. They can't be like, oh, we, we need to keep this guy. So they have to give him everything. And maybe they're not willing to give him everything. So then he is gone. And it seems like he is an employee that is showing up. He's going to play hard. But is it for Green Bay's success? Is he willing to sacrifice for Green Bay's success? Is he willing right. to do these things? I mean, he's there. But I don't know if he's really the right errand that you want there. But okay, so I'd, I'm going to push back on two of those things because I think one because I think there are two things here that I think you know you said that Green Bay looks bad. Well, I, they are. I think they already looked bad, regardless of mm. what Rodgers was going to say up there. But it was all speculation all, at that point, right? But I mean, it was. But still, like just the idea that well, that okay, some of it was was speculation, but. The fact that they didn't consult him about the drafting of Jordan Love, that was always known. That was that was something that was already out there. And their repeated history over the past couple of years of not drafting 
a wide receiver and not giving Rodgers the help that they needed and getting rid of some, like Aaron said, getting rid of some of his, you know, favorite teammates and all that other stuff. I think Green Bay already looked bad. And I think this obviously, yes, confirms that. So, yes, that is going to, you know, because of that, make them look worse. But in that sense, I think they already looked bad. And then the other thing that I would say, too, is that they had already planned on this, I think. I mean, based on his contract, he was only contractually obligated through this upcoming season. And then it was going to probably be the move-on plan with Jordan Love. So when I say that Green Bay won, their timeline, their timeline for what was going to happen with Rodgers and Love appears like it's going to work out exactly like they wanted it to because Rodgers' contract, like I said, is up this year. And then they can bring in Jordan Love right after that, and but they, send Aaron off wherever he wherever he goes. During this offseason, they restructured his deal to where he's allowed to move next year. Okay, well, even I mean, even so, even so, but I don't think that they want to move on to Jordan. The only reason they want to move on to Jordan Love this soon is because Aaron Rodgers wants to leave. That's the only reason why that. Jordan Love would be starting for the Green Bay Packers because they wanted to extend. You heard the talks. They wanted to make it the highest paid quarterback in the league. They wanted to extend Aaron Rodgers during this convert, during these talks, this, this off season. It was only the fact that Aaron is now like, no, I'm gone. You guys, you guys messed up really. And that's kind of the vibe that I was getting at or that I got from uh, his comments. And I think that is, it looks so bad on Green Bay that they messed up this poorly with maybe the best player in their Well, he's maybe not the best. Uh, is that disrespectful of Brett Favre? I don't know. But maybe the face well, of their franchise right now. They well, he's up now the completely. longest. Now he's going into the season. He's he's going to be playing one longer, one more season in Green Bay than Brett Favre did. Um, mm-hmm. And then a stat that I also heard today about Aaron Rodgers, just to put it into perspective of, you know, how good he is. Over the course of the last three seasons, Rodgers, his touchdown to interception ratio has been nine to one. Nine to one is what I heard. The second best in NFL history was Tom Brady. Do you have any idea how close or how not close Brady is to that nine to one over the course of a three season stretch in NFL history. Um, let's see if I can do quick math here. Um, uh, five to one. Okay, you're extremely close because it was like five. I'll I'll just say you nailed it because it was five like point seven. It was right around five point seven. Okay. So hey. Right. That was good. That was good. <laughs> well, I was thinking in my head because there was the, the 2007 year when he went like 50 touchdowns and he probably only had like right around 10 interceptions. So I was like, oh, well, based off of that, it had to be pretty close to five to one. Right. But just again, Rodgers has been nine to one. Nine he to doesn't one. he doesn't turn the ball over very often. Like, right. But you season. also like, in that, he, in that he's sense. Under, He's under seven interceptions, what, almost every year for his career? Yeah. Yeah. But that's just insane. And then also it's something crazy. else that I learned, you know, with Jordan Love, you know, we, we, you know, we, you know, he's been, he's been a part of the organization for a little bit now. 
Um, two years. Yeah, two years. So I mean, he's not. Uh, he's not. He's obviously not a rookie anymore. You know what's um, crazy? He's been in the organization about as long as we've been re- doing this podcast. Because yeah. that was one of the that was one of the earliest podcasts that we did with um, with Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Well, I would have thought that he was older than he is, but you know who he's younger than? He's younger than Justin Herbert. Really? Jordan Lo- Jordan Love is only twenty two years old. He was his birthday is only sixteen days before nine. He was born November second, nineteen ninety eight. I was on the 18th. He's 22 years old. Herbert's 23. He's younger than the current like rookie sensation of last year. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where, you know, unfortunately for Green Bay, obviously they're going to lose Rodgers. But had they kept had were they able to keep him around for another year or two? I mean, you still only would be bringing in a 24, maybe 25 year old quarterback. How does this year work? though for this team it can't like i guess it, it that that post that he had with um or did Devonte post it, it's the last ride or whatever they mm. posted the last ride the last dance i mean not not yeah. ride the last dance so he's out like he is making it clear that he is out the door how do you if you're a teammate of that of rogers and Devonte on that team and you're trying to go back to the NFC championship game, which you've gone to the last two years. Like we're talking about an NFC title contender every single year. And you're going into this like, well, hell if Aaron's leaving next year, like I got to play for me. I got to earn my contract at this point. Like all these, what does that do to the culture? Of well, this I think, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, I would, I would assume that the players know that it's all, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it is a business, um, and you know, I think at least for me, you know, if I'm if I'm on the team, and this is just from my my point of view, you know, if this really is going to be Rogers' last dance with the Green Bay Packers, I'm going to assume that he's going to want to go all in on it. I'm going to assume, and then I'm, I'm going to assume that, you know, if the other players know that it's going to be the last ride with, as you said, with, with Aaron, then they need to make it count. So you got to throw everything you got into the season because but if this... Rodgers is out the door next year, then you have one more season to try to win a championship with Rodgers. So you better go get one. Is there any ruffled feathers with Matt LaFleur, who's obviously going to still be there? Any of the other coaching staff? that's going to be there, um, any of the players that are under contract for a long time. Like, this guy is kind of ditching you guys in a way. Like, there might be that resentful feeling. Maybe. But at the end of the day, you're still going to want to go out there and play the hardest that you can. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it's it's – I think once the season starts, it's going to be all business when it comes to when it comes to winning a, a championship. I think everybody is gonna probably just respect that that's Roger's business and the organization's business and it's really none of their none of their responsibility to get in the way of that or get into that. So they're just gonna play football. And I, I would imagine that that's what it's gonna come down to. That's well, my guess. The lucky thing is they're in a really weak division comparatively. And they should still win that division and comfortably be at 
get a home home field for the playoffs. For sure. For sure. So um so yeah, Rodgers is back. Um and I guess the other thing we don't really have to talk much about it because it was kind of settled a long time ago. The other quarterback that was in talks about leaving was Russell Wilson. He's obviously stayed uh in Seattle. There's been some rumblings about Deshaun Watson getting traded very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is so weird. Why was, would you trade for Deshaun Watson at this point? I know it's one of those things. And for those of you that don't know, Deshaun Watson has been accused of. I don't. What was? I, I feel like they're they're kind of different with each individual. Um, it's mostly like sexual harassment. Yeah, but I, I didn't know if it was like sexual more than. Yeah, um, like more than that. Okay, yeah. So, Houston Texans quarterback. This is um, two days ago from ABC. Uh, Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson has been accused of sexual misconduct by 23 individual women. The cases allege incidents mostly involving massage therapists dating between 2020 and 2021. So, wait, that's just. Those are just people or just massage therapists from 20 incidents from 2020 to 2021. Uh, that's what it says. Like during COVID, this guy's going to get massages. I don't know. That's what it says. No way. That's what that it is, says. That is bad news. That is what it says. So why would you trade for him? Right. And that's one of those things too, that I was trying to sit there and ask, I was asking myself that as well. Like, with every with, I mean, because who, because who knows? I mean, let's say, e- even so, you know, he still has a bunch of legal stuff going on, but that doesn't mean that the NFL necessarily has to, you know, give him full rights to come immediately back in to the NFL. Right. So the NFL can have a whole, a whole separate, whole separate feeling towards Deshaun than well, he's, the law. He uh, he's practicing right now. Well, I mean, still, but even so, I agree with you. With everything that's hanging over his head, you know, there's no guarantee that you're even going to have him. So, I I mean, I understand the potential upside, you know, hey, if you get him, then, you know, great. But you don't even know if that's 100% for sure at this point. Well, if I'm the owner of a team, why would I want to bring that cloud? He's going to be the face. He's the quarterback of your team. He's a great player, talented player. So he's going to be the face of your team. Why do I want that great? I'm inviting that trouble onto my team. Is he really that worth it? Like you can get Jimmy Garoppolo and he's shown that he can win games. Sure. He's not going to uh, account for all the um, other all the like the bad areas of your team. He's really not going to overcome those difficulties and win you games like Deshaun Watson is. We're talking about a top five quarterback in the NFL, but you can get quality quarterback play from pretty much anywhere. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been giving you quality quarterback play for 14 years or something like that. I mean, you're you're the reason why you would trade for him is because you're trading for a guy who last season had 4,800 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Um, 
and who led the NFL in passing yards in the 2020 season and had statistically one of the best quarterback seasons in NFL history. Um, but I'd like to think it's it's about more than just on the field. Well, okay, yeah, I mean, maybe. But then then you look at a guy, you know, when you say something like that, then you look at a guy like, you know, like Odell and, you know, teams who have taken – who have brought in Odell, regard, even though he's – got a headache he, you know, separate separately he is much easier to deal with than well he was he didn't be legal. sexual miss right 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 that is much much less um of a headache than what like Deshaun antonio Watson brown is bringing in like antonio brown okay yeah that's a better a example. huge cloud over oakland and um there's a reason why he missed so many games before he got picked up by the reason why he got dropped by New England, right? Like there was just that much of a distraction, and like this guy's a just coming off as a bad dude. Like we do not companies don't want that associated with their brand, and it's weird that all of a sudden now Deshaun, it's a, the price tag for Deshaun is getting up towards five first round picks. Who are these teams that are willing to do that? Philly. Philly's the name that I keep hearing from ESPN all over the place, that the team that can offer the best package for Deshaun is Philly. Do you, do you believe in – like, do you believe that Antonio Brown should be – he wasn't even – they settled, right? Him and uh, his uh, – what was it? It was like a cleaner, wasn't it? A manager or something? <laughs> Where he like – I don't – yeah. But they – like, I don't even think he got – convicted or anything of anything i don't know it's tough because i agree i agree with you with this and we do have to get to the olympic stuff but i i agree with this with the cloud that's hanging over watson what you're potentially bringing in regardless of i mean irregardless of talent you're potentially bringing and nothing has been like proven yet these are accusations it could come out and you know maybe none of them are true i don't know but maybe all of them are true. I don't know. 23 women right. just made this up or are getting paid to come out? Like, that seems a little far-fetched. Right. So let, let's say all of them are true. Then, yes, you're bringing in a ridiculously talented football player, but what you're also bringing in is just a bad guy. And do you really want that? Or, I like the way that you put it. Do you really want that to be the face of your franchise? That's what I, I just don't get. If I, I'm glad the Niners – because they were seemingly in on Watson. And as soon as all those things came out, they went another way, traded for hopefully the quarterback of many years in Trey Lance. Yeah. I'm, yeah. But if I was the owner or I'm Kyle Shanahan making decisions, as soon as something comes up, if you hear – because these guys are, get, have, are privy to more information than we are. Mm-hmm. As soon as some little things comes up, and maybe that's too idealistic because maybe every guy has some sort of past, right? And everyone deserves second chances sometimes. <laughs> Some, unless you kill someone or something awful. Yeah, like there's that. a line. Yeah, you don't, you probably don't deserve to win, make millions playing football, but <laughs> it, like there's some history there. I'm backing off. I don't want to deal like I, me personally. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to. I want to be able to coach this person 
and how to be the best player they can be. I don't want to also worry about when they leave this this facility that I got to worry that they're not going to make a huge mistake. Yeah. And if it if it comes out that they make a mistake under my watch and they they've been squeaky clean before then, then I got to I'll hear them out. I know who they are. They've been in my organization, but I'm not going to go out and bring that guy in. None of these teams know Deshaun as well as Houston does. And Houston doesn't want him. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a huge red flag for these teams? I guess because he's a top five talent at the most important position, I guess that washes all away. But at some point, I'd be like, well, man, all Colin Kaepernick did was kneel down. I don't think he did anything like what Deshaun Watson is is alleged of, and that guy doesn't have a job. Well, we also got to remember that before all this happened, Houston and Deshaun were butting heads a ridiculous amount before this. Deshaun was making it very clear that he did not want to be in Houston, and this was before everything came out about him. But uh, yeah. So he was most likely going to be gone anyway. But It was just a matter I mean, of the still, price. Yeah. So – well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him because, you know, he may he may never even play in the league again. If all of this comes out and he is accused on all of these accounts, then I don't think it's a I, I don't think it's a um, a stretch no. to say that he may he may never play in the league again. F- Football is pretty. The NFL is pretty forgiving. Uh, yeah, they are. But twenty three. <laughs> But twenty three, then Greg Hardy got picked up. Yeah, anything anything is possible. I know. I am so excited for this NFL season. Just just to end it there, I am so excited that football is back. Yeah, Rogers being back is the. uh, There's so many good storylines this year. There's so great. And you know what? With our show, especially especially the way that it's set up. Our show is is more set up to be conducive with the football season because we're only filming, you know, one day a week. So we can come on on Tuesday and have the Sunday and the Monday game to play. And, that you know, it's tough with basketball because, you know, we're only filming once a week. So, you know, we can't really talk about games a week, um, in, you know, removed. In, in our luck, two things happen on Wednesday and we record on Tuesdays. So then oh, yeah. by the time we're able to – then talk about it. It's been like six days, and it's been talked to death. Yep. And then it's like, well, <laughs> now we got to do something else. Well, so. But lucky for us, at least right now, the Olympics are going on, and the Olympics are always entertaining. A yep. um, couple things that we need to talk about before we get to the Simone Biles thing. I do want to give a little shout out to okay. Miss Katie Ledecky. Okay. So, in case in case you guys don't know, Katie Ledecky. Coming into the 20, and this is coming from SportingNews.com, coming into the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, Ledecky was already the most decorated female swimmer of all time. She entered the Games having won five gold medals, one silver medal at the Olympics, also claiming 15, uh, I wish I knew what the FINA World Aquatics Championship gold, I wish I knew what FINA was. Probably just the, the like the world champions. Yeah. Um, but she but won 15. Every year. Yeah. So she won 15 FINA World Aquatics champ, uh, Championship gold medals and three silver medals. Her combined 20 gold medals are the most of any 
women's swimmer. Now, coming in to the 2020 Olympics, what did she do with all of that? Well, she bounced back from the worst finish of her brilliant Olympic career. Ledecky claimed the first ever gold medal in the women's 1,500-meter freestyle on Wednesday. I mean, I don't know how long I could swim straight, but doing a 1,500-meter freestyle for 15 minutes and 37 seconds, which was her time, that's a lot of swimming (laughs) for a very long time. Dude, so when we when I was snorkeling, right, you're literally just you can just hear your breath, and like it's nothing you can't yeah. hear anything else. It's just you breathing for that fifteen, which is taking how long was your time? Do you have it in front of you? I just said fifteen minutes and thirty seven seconds. Oh, okay. So for fifteen minutes, which probably felt like an hour, when you're not mm-hmm. doing it, especially the attention spans that we have, could you put yeah. some like AirPods in or? I guess it's sponsored by Beats, so maybe some Beats uh, uh, pros or whatever they're called. Um, to get, you can have those in waterproof. You can market it around. Oh, the swimmer is oh, Kaylee Ducky. Like she performs it in uh, in these Beats all the time. Like I can even picture it now. She's swimming and then comes out of the water, takes the Beats off, and it's like I only perform with Beats or something. I, I just gave you a commercial Beats. You're welcome. Can these athletes like not um, have some headphones in just to pass the time? I'm sure if you give them some, give them like some uh, some nice upbeat, like some some rap or some some hip hop, they might even go a little faster. They might they might break a world record. Yeah, I know. It's just, <laughs> I mean, but just the physical exertion for 15 minutes to be because you got to think about it this way: they are swimming so fast hard. and Woo. so hard. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about swimming. I don't know if they're swimming, if they're trained to swim literally as hard as they can for that entire time. I would guess, just based on my experience as a trainer, that they're probably swimming at around eighty to ninety percent for the majority of the race, and then towards the end, then they're kicking it up. Um, but man, I mean, just just think about running for fifteen minutes straight. I, I hate running. <laughs> I. I, I I am not a now I can run three miles because I have to do it for um, the military and I can run uh, about a seven about a seven and a half three mile uh, average oh. average per uh, I think I the last me. time I got was I think I think the fastest one that I did recently was like twenty two minutes for like a three mile and go off running go off, no 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 what I'm trying to say is that swimming is so ridiculously more intense than, you know, running three miles and to swim 1500 meters for that long is just, it's insane. It's insane. Three miles. Well, Sorry. yeah. I, well, for not, not 1500 meters, but. Uh, no, it's not right. No, I was talking about the. the no, how long is, how long is 1500 meters? Uh, da, 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 da. Well, it'd be just times times three, um, I believe. So Fifteen hundred meters, so it's a one point five k. It is uh, sixteen. It is one thousand six hundred and forty yards. <laughs> so it, it's uh, it's about a little over half a mile. Yeah, you'll uh, yeah, just under one. Just well, I don't, no. Because if you're running a 1,500-meter race, you'll run just under one mile. 
It's also equal to 1.5 kilometers. What was I thinking? I don't know. But, you know, it doesn't take... I I don't know. Let's let's not let our... our, or better host, work with me here. I got, I got it written down right here. My work's right here. I did, oh, carry the, carry the four. That's what it is. I but forgot, here's, I here's the thing. The what, what we're doing right now is just showing our lack of knowledge of the metric system. So that's, that's, that's really what we're showing. Well, um, for for those that aren't American, we are from the United States, so we yeah. uh, we learned yards, feet, inches. Yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> right. Um, so Katie Ledecky wins. She just continues her dominant run as like the best female swimmer of all time. Just a quick medal count. And this is as of Wednesday, the 28th. Uh, the top five. Well, no, let's, let's just say what really matters. The United States is number one right now. Like we have USA, USA, 13, USA. 13 gold medals, two silvers, 10 bronze. The next is, and that's a total of 35 China, has 28 Boo. and Japan has 22. So the United States is still uh, is still on top, top of that. But the biggest story coming out of the – I shouldn't say coming out of because it's still going on – is the Simone Biles. I don't even know – I don't want to call it an incident. I don't want to call it an event. It's just her. And her withdrawal from – uh, some of the events that she was supposed to compete in. Now, USA Gymnastics released a statement on Twitter. I have it from the Chicago Tribune right here. I'll read you the statement from the USA Gymnastics, and then we'll talk about uh, Simone. This says, after further medical evaluation, Simone Biles has withdrawn from the final individual all-around competition at the Tokyo Olympic Games in order to focus on her mental health. Simone will mm-hmm. continue to be evaluated daily to determine whether or not to participate in next week individual event finals. Jade Carey, who had the ninth highest score in qualifications, will participate in her place in the all-around. We wholeheartedly support Simone's decision and applaud her bravery in prioritizing her well-being. Her courage shows yet again why she is a role model for so many. Now, it's unfortunate that I mean, it's an unfortunate um, offshoot of social media, which is can be such a place for just it, it can be such a good thing for organizations for people to to spread happiness and to give awareness to certain things that are going on. The unfortunate side effect for social media is that it is also a cesspool for Ooh, people toxicity. to just go say for whatever they want. And when I saw this, I got worried that there were going to be a lot of people who were going to view this as her just quitting. Mm -hmm. And I went on to social media and I looked at some of the comments that people were saying about Simone. And I have to say, she is getting blasted Mm -hmm. from every which way. From people on social media just saying how she quit on her country, she quit on what, her teammates. What uh, social media is that? Instagram. MySpace? No. <laughs> I'm Which sure she's inst- getting blasted there too. But I, I don't even think uh, they're running servers anymore. Uh, Instagram is a usually tamer one. Twitter is probably way worse. Twitter is probably much worse. I don't have a Twitter, but Instagram right now is just – 
lighten her up, and I'm not. I'm not here for it. I'm not here for it. And so I think this is probably the biggest. We probably left the biggest story for the end. I think I so. Think. Yeah, and you, you got to save the quote unquote. It, I mean, poor it's choice of words, but best for last. But you know. So let's um, let's just tell me what you're thinking, man. So, I I don't. Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think that anybody has grounds to stand on if Simone is saying that the reason why she, which she did, so I'm saying if, I shouldn't say if, the reason why she withdrew is to focus on her mental health. And mm-hmm. with that being the case, there, I, in my opinion, there are no grounds for anybody to stand on to say that was the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, if, if Simone is going to say that sports and these games are not as important to me as focusing on my mental health, I don't know if she said that nobody that. else needs to have an opinion on that. That is, that is important that she gets that taken care of. And I, I'm not here for the Simone slander. I, I don't think it's appropriate. And I think what she did if that is what she needed to do, then good for her. And she, mm-hmm. and I, then I, and I agree. And I agree that that was the right decision because if that's what she truly needed, then I'm glad that she's doing what is best for her. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, this opinion. is a, this is a truly peculiar situation because we have one of the most dominant athletes at her sport of all time. Mm-hmm. And to get to that point, Jason, I know it on a very minuscule level compared to this, but you have to be so strong mentally going through all the work that she went through and then to then perform that well on that day, her mental toughness has to be unbelievable. Just like your Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan's, LeBron James, all these great pillars of like Tom Brady, like, These athletes only get to that level, and she reached it in the last Olympics in uh, in Rio. You only get there if you have that supreme mental toughness, like one, like point five percent of the population, probably point one percent of the population, have that mental toughness to where they can perform that well under that amount of pressure. And she performed; she showed it already. And it's just so peculiar that we're talking about one of those greats that she then kind of folded under that pressure. And it's, it's, it only shows that she is human, which isn't a bad thing at all. Could you imagine she was the, easily by far and away, at least if you, if you live in the United States, was the number one poster child for this Olympics. Oh, Simone Biles. We go to now. Let's let's check in on Simone Biles. Oh, let's look at Simone Biles. We can't wait to see Simone Biles and her that just dominate. Like she is going to, she is the goat that that is thrown around. She is the goat. She is the goat by far. Blah 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 blah. Like it is just a matter of who comes in second. Like it was that much pressure. Like we are talking about greater hype and pressure than when Tiger was at his prime. Probably, I think was heaped onto her, and. She clearly felt it. Um, well, I don't know if we 
I think I think that is fair to say that that's the, and that's totally human. I can't imagine Jason and I in this in that situation of having that immense like a whole nation keeping that amount of pressure on her. And she was obviously as well. Um, they touched on it in the in the um, telecast in the uh, commentating that she's her own biggest critic as well. So when you have all those things going together and then she wasn't able maybe she started off a little slow right because that first day she wasn't looking Simone Biles ish I think that was the thing that was thrown around like she just looked off even though she was kind of performing pretty well she qualified still for the all around individual final so she was obviously still a world class (laughs) world class Olympic gymnast um, even on her off but something was off and then I think that just kind of built and built in her own head it was like there's all these people that are counting on me and I am expecting way more than this like I have already done this and it's I don't think I've ever seen anything like this um, to where uh, do you do you credit her Jason for admitting when she doesn't have it and not like trying to fake it, I guess, and continue on in these Olympics? Or what, what do, you, do you, do you give her credit for that? Because I've never really seen an athlete admit that, especially in the course of a, of a competition. Well, I, th- one, I think two things, really. One, it's you had mentioned you couldn't imagine, you know, yourself or myself in that situation. And for the people who are slandering her, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, again, the criticism that's coming her way, talking about her quitting and, you know, all of this other stuff. It's like, well, none of you have any, any, any whatsoever idea of what she is under right now. You I don't know, think anyone, has, anyone in history kind of knows. Maybe not. The because pressure that she was facing. Maybe other than like Phelps, you know, in, in the sense of like somebody in the United mm, States who's, being, who's going into the Olympics looking at, looked at, being looked at as the overwhelming favorite for the United States. And maybe the reason to watch the Olympics for the United States, maybe Phelps is the only other one. Yeah. But and maybe you're saying Bolt, maybe. Maybe less so though, because swimming's not. Um, I, think, I feel like it's not as technical as like anything could go wrong within gymnastics. Like there's such a fine line that you have to go. Like I think swimming is a little more pure athleticism performing. Like you're just outworking the people Maybe, around you. Maybe, but if we're just if we're just talking about the sheer fame level, I mean Phelps. Mm-hmm. Phelps at his peak was was otherworldly. Um, but yeah. regardless, nobody else, maybe, maybe, maybe Phelps is the only example. Let's just say for argument's sake, Phelps is the closest thing that you can get to maybe somebody who would have some understanding of what she is going through. Again, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, you can't put yourself in her shoes. So therefore, well, you no can, you can them- even, um, you can even talk about Kayla because didn't she disappoint in the last Olympics? And it was like a uh, big I, deal. I don't know. I don't know Ledecky's history. Uh, well, she's been well. dominating women's. Like you already oh, alluded sure. to it, she's she's been yeah. dominating women's swimming. So if if there's a chink in her armor, it's made such a bigger deal. But yeah, right. But again, you know, for the people who are 
you know, the, the slander that she's getting, which I, yeah. I don't agree with. It's like, you guys, you can't understand what she's doing. And honestly, honestly, if you have somebody, if you have somebody who, um, if you oh have somebody gosh. who is. I'm so what? sorry. I feel like I just died. My hamstring just cramped so hard. <laughs> oh my God. I thought my life just got swallowed out of my hamstring. Oh we, my gosh. Jason. We have I was moving. I was moving my leg to like readjust to the chair. And my hamstring just tightened up like a, like a baseball was in it. Oh my God. We're having such a serious conversation, then boom, hamstring interrupts everything. I was because you were talking, so I was trying not to make any noise. So I was like, "Oh, oh, oh my god!" I I under I understand that, and I you know at the end of this, I will share with also you can I'll share with you my my worst cram story, which is kind (laughs) of similar in that sense. But again, if you have somebody who is who has worked. You, you had mentioned this. If you had somebody like her who's worked so hard her entire life to get to where she's at and mm-hmm. has made her life – her life has revolved around the Olympics. And for her to stop, come out and say, hey, look, something is wrong. I can't mm-hmm. compete because something is wrong. Wouldn't that elude everybody else that, okay, something seriously is wrong? Because if you have somebody who has dedicated her life to this one thing and you know she's so perfect at her craft – to have her step back and go, I can't do this, even though I've been working at it my entire life, that should clue everybody in that something is severely wrong. And if but, she needs to take uh, care of it, then let her take care of it. Do you think um, – and this is just – just I don't, I don't personally um, believe this, and I don't think you do either, but do you think she's weak in that moment for saying, no. hey, guys, like – because it, it was live on air, like – Hey guys, like you got this, but like we saw it happen. I think it was right, literally right after she did her vault, and um, she underperformed to her her expectations. It was like, hey guys, I'm I'm bowing out of the team competition. I think that's no. what kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Of like, she quit on her team, but her teammates absolutely are pouring in the support for her. Like every single teammate has posted um i guess there's actually another aspect to this so the the team usa ended up finishing second and getting a silver medal without files yeah she still earned the silver medal obviously because she helped them qualify and as a member of the team yeah do you think that rubs people a little bit the wrong way that she is now presenting with this medal it shouldn't. She helped get them there. <laughs> I mean, totally. May, part of the reason why that that would be like that would be like if um that would be like if Giannis got hurt in the conference finals and then the Bucks went on to win the NBA championship without him. Uh, without him, he still mm-hmm. gets a ring and he still deserves the ring because he was there for ninety eight percent of the season. Now, people are going to look at that medal, and they would look at that ring and go, well, he didn't actually play in the finals. So in terms of the quote-unquote earning it in the finals, that's not there. 
But Mm -hmm. in terms of getting them there, she absolutely deserves it. She played a huge part, probably the biggest role in getting Mm -hmm. them there. So I understand that people are going to look at that differently, but, you know, okay, fine. They look at that medal differently than the ones that she wins individually. Okay, Mm -hmm. fine. But she still deserves it. 100% still deserves it. So I I give her a lot of credit for admitting – admitting this weakness, like this vulnerability that she had to have to really go out there and um, present this to everyone. Cause we, there's no way we would have known this all was going on. Now that this happens, we're, t- we're talking about a, like a world icon. She's probably been presented even when she was doing in 2016 um, in that Olympics, probably every single nation had to tune in to what she was doing. Like she had the global, the global eyes on her and she is now this figure. We now have her and we have probably the best women's tennis player in the world right now, Naomi Osaka, both admitting and alluding to the pressures and the negativity, the negativity and really that having an effect on their play and their own mental health. I really hope this wakes up the world and is like, which it's not, but I really hope it does of like, whoa, like we are too toxic or hopefully it wakes up other athletes that are like, man, I got to shut off social media. I have to completely, I'll hire someone to run my social media, but I am not scrolling through this and scrolling through a feed of seeing this much negativity. I I don't want to, I think, athletes totally now because you're not going to change twitter you're not going to change instagram but you really need i guess to totally remove yourself from all that and just totally shut down maybe (laughs) start fishing or something like totally move out to a cabin and seclude yourself because if we're seeing that the amount of abuse and the amount of pressure that she felt made the best gymnastics athlete ever visibly affected in her own performance due to it. I think things just got, I think maybe training has to go into it for these athletes on how they handle the stresses and pressures of the outside world. I think, I think this, this should be a eye opening thing. And especially even what's going on, what went on with uh, Naomi Osaka and the pressures that media plays on it which that's another piece that we didn't really touch on but all these things that are that uh, athletes nowadays have to appease to I think really have to be um, addressed and have to be I guess taught of how to handle it yeah yeah going forward and at, at the end of the day as we sort of wrap up the conversation here about Biles it's you know at the end of the day, the most important thing is, you know, her health and her mental health. And if she gets better, then at the end of the day, you, she needs to do what's best for her. And if this is what, what's best for her, then she's got our full support in that, in that, you know, she, she needs to take care of herself. And by doing this, this is, you know, in her view, taking care of herself. So if that was the case, then, you know, by all means, I, I'm I'm more than I'm more than happy that that she did that because to force yourself through that would would be would be horrible. 
I really yeah. hope uh, she doesn't like retire. I yeah, really hope yeah. that she comes back. Um, and this was another piece that I that I thought of, Jason. The amount, like the point where this became a business, where the Olympics became, became a business, it's no longer this dream. You know, that first Olympics, this was a dream for her. This was the point that she, this was the top of the mountain that she wanted to reach. And once she had reached it, it turned into, oh, well, Simone, you got to do this for Team USA. You got to do all these things because you're the face. Like, you're the face of the Olympics, pretty much. This 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 run, this 2020 Olympics, like, she is the face. That, that brings so much more. And I think it really took out the fun and the love of why she was doing all this and why she got into the sport. And I think that's a huge piece that's not really – I, I think it's a huge piece that's at play here because if the love's not there, then you know, Jason, it's hard to get up and work at a sport if you don't love it. Like that's the whole yeah. point of why you do all that work. And she, she's an Olympic athlete. Obviously, the amount of hours that she had to put in on a sport that is so tough on your body, if she's not loving it, then she's not going to do it at the top like the the top max amount of effort or the top max amount of efficiency or really get the most out of it because there's not that that sole principle there of I'm doing this because I love it it's I'm doing this because I have to and th- at that point it is so dangerous for these athletes and I think that's really what was at play here and I hope she I I hope for the next next Olympics she's able to find that love again and we can see that Simone Biles again it's it just sucks that it it's going to be three years from now yeah for sure for sure so hopefully she gets the help that she needs and everything turns out well for simone and we'll see her back in the next olympics um so uh i don't know if there's really an appropriate way to transition from that so we're just gonna jump (laughs) um one closing just a couple closing things before i get to my cramp story have you seen the reviews for Suicide Squad yet? Oh, no, I haven't. They're glowing. Really? Absolutely glowing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, and, so, and, and so are, so are the uh, so are the Jungle Cruise reviews as well. Really? Yeah. The Jungle Cruise has been getting a lot of very good and positive reviews saying, look, you know, understand what it is, and it's it's super fun. Like, just uh, what, what I'm – what what I what I have gotten from the reviews from Jungle Cruise is that it is just such a fun movie, and Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt are like the greatest co-stars ever. <laughs> um, it, it's it's uh from what I've seen from what I've seen um the Jungle Cruise has gotten great reviews. James Gunn's Suicide Squad has been getting amazing reviews. If you're a big movie nerd, then The Green Knight has also been getting great reviews, which is so good to hear. Um, so just a couple good movies to pay attention to coming out as well. Also, if you like Matt Damon, Stillwater is coming out as well. I like Matt Damon, so I'll probably it's, go see Stillwater. It's Still an interesting Water. role for him. It is. It it's is. really weird to see him play serious other than uh, the Bourne movies. Yeah, because he is good at being kind of a... Kind of quirky, like a dad. Um, He's gonna be yeah. like a, like oh, like still serious, still touching, but like he's he busts some jokes a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, okay, so I got to get to my quick cramp story because you remind because listening to you uh, make all your little eeks and moans while you were uh, cramping was hilarious, and I commend you on your effort for staying as quiet as you did because I know how hard that is. I when we were in the field for one of our field drills. Okay. We we had to sleep in what we call a GP tent, which is just general population tent where it's like a humongous tent. It's like it fit like 50 of us in. It's a big tent. Oh, well, that's cute. We're all, you guys, we're you guys all, snuggled? Yeah, we all throw down our sleeping bags. It's great. Um, I'm kidding. It's horrible. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. anyway you but, guys are all uh, inflating the air mattresses. <laughs> no, it's not air mattresses, bro. You think we got that much money? No. We no that's what I'm down, saying. I'm saying it's not we like lay that, down. Though. We lay down a mat that's like, like not even an inch thick, and you just sleep on that. Um, and anyway, so I'm laying there. And I've got 50 people around me, and I have the biggest calf cramp of my oh, entire life. In and the I'm sitting the there, night. I was like, I, I was, yeah, I, it was like 2 a.m. I was like, I can't, I can't make a sound because I don't want to wake people up. Um, so I'm sitting there, just it, it, it lasted forever. <laughs> I oh. was writhing around for a good two, three minutes, just like trying not to make a noise. I was like biting my camis. I, I was wrecked from that calf cramp because we had been outside for so long. I was just dehydrated, didn't have the nutrients that I need. And it all just hit me at once. And I felt it for literally the next two days. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Were your, uh, were there any officers in the tent? No, 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 no. Oh, that's good. Imagine you no. wake everyone up. Like you wake up a, 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 a sergeant or something like a, they're not an officer, but yeah. Okay, um, what's a, a what's captain. an officer? Okay, a captain. Yeah, you wake up a captain like this. Captain just uh, I'm I'm imagining it in like uh, bedtime robes, like pajamas or something. Comes out. Who is that? Oh, is that is that Target Seventeen again? Is that Mister yeah. No Hit right there? <laughs> right. So you you got no hits and you're waking me up at two a.m. Huh? Yeah. I hope people get remember that story. <laughs> I don't remember it. Oh man! Was well, it actually Target Seventeen? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm a good friend. Look at you! Look at you! <laughs> Look at you! Um, all right. So we're gonna close out episode ninety-five. We are five episodes away from episode one hundred. We are also closing in on five thousand listens for the show as well. Um, and also, if, and I'll just put this out there for people who don't know, um, we are trying. We are trying, and I think I may have found some software on my computer that can run it. But we are trying to find a way to do some sort of, like, simulcast, I guess. We're just going to put some video to the show and start a YouTube channel. So have have the video of the show be on. It might not be as long as these shows are, but maybe just take, like, the best segment that we have from the show and put it on there. Maybe put the whole show sometimes, I don't know, give you an option to watch the whole show or we'll just cut it into three and say, Hey, here are the three segments, watch whichever ones you want. And then full show either way. So we're trying to get that worked out. I think I have some software now that can run it. We're still looking into it. don't know when that's coming, but we're trying our best to figure that out. So um, thank you so much for sticking with us again, five episodes away from, episode 100 really close to 5,000 plays we really do appreciate all the support 
And uh, we'll keep busting these out. We will see you all next week, Sam. I'm glad you didn't get eaten by sharks. Dude, I'm glad my hamstring recovered. That was – imagine getting a, a hamstring cramp in the pool, like in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been, 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 been fun to watch if we were on – video for this watching your face just sitting there like <laughs> <laughs> you would have been like oh what's wrong like i i sank in my chair i was like, oh, oh. <laughs> oh man it's still well tight. that'll be what we have to look forward to once we finally get it up and running so thank you all again for listening we hope you all have a fantastic week and we will see you all next week see ya